0: Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times.
1: We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together.
0: If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit Recovering2.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're recovering too.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. Today, we are meeting Charlie. Yay! Welcome,
0: Welcome Charlie. Charlie.
2: <laughs> you're excited. He's,
3: Happy
0: to be here. He's minimally excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we talk a lot about the family perspective um, in our episodes and we thought it would be helpful to bring in one of our partners so we can discuss some of the relationship dynamics that commonly occur throughout the you know life cycle of um, active recovery and then getting or active addiction and then getting into recovery so welcome charlie
3: hey
1: (laughs) okay so i will jump in with a question (laughs) to get to know charlie um Tell us, we, so we know uh, Alex's take on like when you guys first met mm-hmm. and what she knew about where you were with addiction or recovery or what point, like, oh, yeah. I'd be interested to hear like your perspective yeah. of meeting her and how that. Yeah. Went. So
3: when I, when I met Alex, um, I was in, uh, a, I mean a pretty bad place, uh, she didn't know that i was really good at like making my life seem okay to others mm-hmm. um i would let i let her in just enough to to know that i've that i had issues with with drugs ma- mainly opiates uh but i made it I framed it in a in a way that made me seem, just seem like interesting and uh, resilient. <laughs> you Not, really did. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but the first night we met, you would said, "I'm a heroin addict."
3: Yeah. But Why I, did you say that? I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we. I think we were connecting really well, and uh, you know, I was a little drunk. Uh, <laughs> But um, I don't know. I just thought uh, it would. I don't. I don't know. I think um, I just thought it would uh, make me seem a little more interesting, and just I don't know. Uh, That's very interesting. I really don't know why. Um, you know, I didn't like. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I think but, what you said about you like were framing it in a certain way. And like you told her some things that reminded me, like Jake has always said before, like where he kind of will give people information, like tell them something that most people are like, wow, that's like, he's being really honest about that. But then it's allowing him to keep like all of this other stuff hidden. Mm -hmm. So like, if you come out, I'm a heroin addict, she's thinking, wow, he's so super honest. honest. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. know, very upfront, but you're kind of telling us that, I mean, you were being honest about that, but maybe you weren't being as honest yeah, with yeah. how everything, uh, like where you were in the moment. And it's a way of.
3: For sure. I made it seem that it was like a past. in the past. Like, yeah. Um, gotcha. Way in the past. And, uh, it wasn't, it was actively going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was on, like, a maintenance drug at the time, so it wasn't uh, too awfully, te- yeah, terrible, but, uh, you know, I was, yeah, I wasn't in a good place, for so sure.
0: what was your usage like? You said you were drunk, so obviously you were drinking, right? And like, what did you know about recovery at that point?
3: Nothing. I hadn't, be, I hadn't gotten into any kind of recovery. I've, I went to, like, I've failed a drug test in the army like years before that and i had to do like some classes i, I guess what i would know now is like an iop
0: uh which is like an intensive outpatient program. just like a yeah. three
3: night a week kind of thing yeah and i would just watch like Pacers games on my phone during it so i mean it, i didn't take so you it weren't seriously very at the time. invested in no i do not i didn't want time. to be there it was yeah the yeah, box just to check like off. checking off the box. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um
1: so then at what point did you want to be in recovery? How did how did you get from
3: Oh god, I don't know. Years networking. later after that. Um
2: after you met Alex.
3: Mhm. Yeah. After enough like chaos and and lies and like pain. Uh I mean, it wasn't like I was in denial about, like, having an issue with drugs or drinking. I knew that for a long time. I just didn't want to do anything about it um, until I think it took, like, really damaging someone else to make me consider uh, doing something about it because I was, like kind of framed it in my mind as like my own problem and like what's the big deal you know my my friends friends would like say stuff every once in a while but uh I just feel like I don't um why do you can't I'm not hurting you so
4: Mm -hmm.
3: what's what's the issue it wasn't until like I had to like Live with someone and like lie all the time and uh, like hurt them over and over again um, before actually getting better was even like a an option in my mind.
0: So interesting to that hear is. you say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so would you say that it was the time, like the um, like after that six months, when you were in barber school, and then when I kind of caught you?
3: I think the first uh, time, but I was just so naive, and I didn't really know how what how what to do. Was when I went into like, inpatient at the VA for oh, like a yeah, week. Oh yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah.
3: When we f- when we, we like, were had to postpone our marriage for the first the, yeah f- that, that time, uh, but I was just like so. I had no idea what to do. I I think I ended up like meeting someone there and doing more drugs like as soon as I got out Mm -hmm. but I like that was the first time that I like really felt like I really need to get better and this is not fun and I'm hurting someone else Uh, so yeah but it you know it took a lot more time after that Mm -hmm. and we had periods where like life was good for a little while Uh, I had almost I I think I went like a year without doing any hard drugs uh right after we got married um Mm -hmm. but I was never I don't know I was never like actively working on myself or anything and that whole time I was on suboxone I was I was on that for like four years I think uh
0: in smoking weed three
3: years yeah I was smoking weed and drinking and yeah um but I was like maintaining and I, I you know I didn't I never drank that much and I never, like, I don't know.
1: So we were maintaining, I can't remember then, what was the catalyst that brought him into inpatient then when we all met? So he got was off that...
0: of Suboxone. Yeah, so it was, it was like the, v, he was at a, in a program at the VA, and they were trying, trying to taper him off of Suboxone. And so that was a few years after we were married I mean Mm -hmm. most of our relationship was that like I was just used to him like being on Suboxone smoking weed and things to me felt pretty normal just like most people smoke weed and you know drink Mm -hmm. and stuff so it wasn't like a huge deal I mean he was moody moodier than most people that I knew (laughs) but I didn't attribute that necessarily I kind of again was like oh he's just kind of interesting and like that's his personality it's his personality he's like I don't know. A little so, rough around the edges. Yeah. So, <laughs> so and you um, didn't know what
2: Suboxone was. You so you didn't know I how mean, he should or
0: shouldn't be using it. I mean, I knew what it was. I mean, and he wasn't misusing Suboxin. Mm-hmm. It was just that he was on it for a really long time. I had no idea what would happen afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I didn't realize how dependent he was on that. Um, so when they started tapering him. You know, there were little things like his moods were really bad, and like you know, that time coming off of Suboxone is difficult. But we didn't know anything, and he wasn't in recovery at all. And so I just kind of thought, like, he's getting off of a medicine, like he's being treated by doctors. This will be fine. Like they know what 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 to do. And so um, that was happening around. It was like the end of the year. This is like what 2012, 2013.
3: It was like 2014. Yeah. January, we 13. went to Mexico
0: on vacation Yeah. and then we um, came back and it was like January winter and like it just felt like everything turned into chaos yeah. and I didn't know what was going on. But what ha- was actually happening was he was off of Suboxone and then went back to using and was hiding it. He lost his job, told me that like he worked in the construction type of job and told me that he failed a drug test for weed, which in my mind, I was like okay, that's plausible. What,
4: mm-hmm.
0: Which actually happened, came out months later. Mm-hmm. He was like caught using um, on a job site with the owner's son or some shit like that. Well, the,
3: yeah, it was the superintendent of the of the job site's son. son. Yeah, we were working. Yeah, we were like.
0: So all this was happening. It was about six months. And he was, like, using a bunch. And I'm feeling like my life is falling apart. Yeah, and I don't know sense. what's going on. This was the first time we had been together, and he was, like, in active addiction. Mm. And so I was like, what What have I done? Like, what is happening? It was so confusing because it was just out of nowhere, and it was just so different. And so then um, one day, it was in the summer, I got a – I checked the mail, and there was, like, a – a repossession no it was a pawn shop.
3: shop uh i had pawned i would like pawned and repond my my drill after i got fired from the construction job mm-hmm. while i was in uh, barber school uh to to get high and then i'd like s- save some money or something and get it back mm. I, I don't know and then eventually i like never was able to save enough money because i was getting high all the time and uh I didn't realize they like would send a, a letter to you to tell you they were about to keep <laughs> your drill. Uh, they definitely did. And of course they sent it on like a, sat- a Saturday. I don't even know mail came on Saturdays. And, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. That's when she found that and kind of like constructed. This is yeah. In her, you know, Figured it out. I don't out. know what the hell is going on. So
1: a couple, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, did you like realize how dependent on Suboxin you were and how like quickly did you get off suboxone and then you were back using and like, was there, I don't know if you can recall like what the mindset yeah, was? Yeah, for sure.
3: I remember, uh, I mean, I knew I was hundred percent dependent on suboxone. I would freak out and panic if I forgot to bring it for the day or like, mm. if I was like, you know, if I couldn't make it to the VA, you know, at the... It was, it sucked. I was completely dependent on it. And uh, I was happy to get off because it was just a a headache. Like, and it felt like um, such a burden to be uh, so dependent on something. Um, But I remember getting off of it. And uh, that was around November um, of that year, October, November. And like, I started to think like, I've been like dabbling uh, and opiates, uh, while well, on Suboxone for like the last three years, uh, I finally get to feel what opiates felt like at the beginning now mm-hmm. because I'm off oh. of this stupid drug that kind of dulls the effects. So I was just like excited to get high, really high again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, you know, it wasn't like
4: Did that was Did you get it really,
3: really high simple. again
1: or is it one of those things where you're always –
3: No, I think, yeah, I don't, I
1: don't,
3: I don't remember, um, I'm sure it was nice for a couple times, but, yeah, uh, it, that feeling doesn't last long, for sure, and then it turns into, like, needing, like, coffee, like, it's just, like, I really need to get high to get through this day, and then, and then you start to get to, like, the physical, uh, side effects, and then you're completely trapped, but.
2: So do you remember when she found the letter when she confronted you, like how you felt? Like, did your mind want to immediately lie or did you want to come clean of why you were pawned something? Do you remember what I said?
3: Yeah, well, not exactly. (laughs) I remember... uh, Because... God, now... Because at this point, we've been through that whole dog and, and pony show, like, hundreds of times. But at that time that that was like the the, our first like um like her first like detective breakthrough where (laughs) uh, and where and i thought like my like life was over like um you know i i thought i i don't know what i thought i just yeah i wasn't prepared uh for her to find out at that time um Yeah, and I just I just remember thinking like God, my life is over. uh, I was just really I don't know, nervous and sad and scared and
0: yeah. I remember you telling me that I was leaving because to me it had been almost a year. I mean, it felt like for fucking ever, where it was just like I felt like our marriage was shit, Mm. and like it was, and it finally made sense. And I was like, you've been lying to me this whole time. And for me, it was like, no, I'm totally done. And You came home from school. You're like, can we just talk about this when I get home? And you came home and you were like begging to do anything. Mm -hmm. But that makes sense that you felt like your life was falling apart. I was like, finally, fucking finally. Like, I understand. You know, it was like this like gratifying feeling. Like, I mean, I was upset, obviously, but I felt more like reassuring. Like, oh, I'm not the I'm not crazy. Like this has been happening and I didn't like this all makes sense now. So yeah. I remember feeling like that. And then you were like, I'll do anything. And I was like, I don't even know what the fuck to do. So we looked up, like, treatment centers. And then uh, then that whole, then the whole thing started all over again yeah, in kinda, a different yeah. way.
3: That was just, the, that was literally just the beginning. Yeah. It got way worse than that.
0: Yeah. In what way? Like, what you, you go to the treatment center, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that, okay, like life's going to be better. Like I was like, he's going to do this and we're, it's going to like, things are getting better. You know, like that was my mentality. And he'd also said, please stay, (laughs) please. Like (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) he'd kind of said that, like, I'll do whatever, please stay. And so I was like, okay, he's committed to this. So we go to the treatment center and he gets into his uh, initial group and I'm starting to go into these groups like there's like family things and so I'm going like twice a week there well once a week there's like a family like lecture and then they like oh. you go into their group and you get to another group and stuff which was really uncomfortable for me I'd never been in anything like that before so it's just this whole time of like different stuff and like that's when I first started learning about like addiction as a disease and like all of these things. But that, so I thought, okay, things are getting going to be better. Like, he's trying. I thought
3: that, too. I, I like, went there and was, like, uh, inspired to, like, make a change. And I thought, you know, this was all going to be sorted out. I just had no idea how hard that would be. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know how much actual work that, that actually meant. Like, it wasn't just going to be, like, a... A, a movie montage and then like life was good again uh,
4: mm-hmm.
3: so well,
2: and i and i remember that's when because you got in the same group as steve mm-hmm. and i remember you two or at least steve told me that you guys were down for smoking you didn't want to stop smoking and drinking mm-hmm. weed but you were fine to kind of stop the other things and i remember i remember that you two were texting one night and you had texted him like my wife's dipping out which i remember that because i was like <laughs> who says dip out? Like I didn't, I had never heard
4: that. <laughs> I <can't know. laughs>
2: and uh, I was like, oh man, should I be leaving? Because, yeah. so that's how I first kind of knew you. So I knew at that point I hadn't gone to any group meetings that I wanted to find you oh, and figure out like what
3: was well, going on. I don't on. remember any of that, but it's, yeah, that you, you
0: said Alex was leaving. And yeah. so I wanted to get with you. I oh, was so close at that point. Mm. So then you're, you're in treatment for a, a few weeks maybe just two and i remember they had had these conversations so steve had also liked going to concerts and oh, drinking mm-hmm. at concerts and things and we were going to a music festival that we had gone to a few times and i um, remember you agreeing like we had had this discussion in your group mm-hmm. where it was like how are how are you going to you know get through this because it's a heavy drug environment and mm-hmm. every time we'd been there previously we'd you know, do things. And so it was like, it was, you know, I was concerned um, about how it was going to go. And you were like, I can do it 100%, 100% sober. It's fine. And I said, I would do that too. We get there within an 30 minutes. No,
3: like 15 minutes. Like, yeah. He's drinking
0: <laughs> instantly. It was just, and I was like, oh shit. Okay. So then there were these stages of the weekend for me. That was like, okay, well he's just drinking. So that's okay. And I could rationalize that in my head. Like, okay, I I understand. He's just going to drink. And, you know, this is weird and it's awkward. And then it got... like, I could like, for the first time see the addiction take over. And it was like... Then it went from that to smoking. And then it went from that to, like, trying to find other illicit drugs from other people at the the festival. And then it gets into this thing of, like, making other people do these drugs with you. (laughs) And it was like all of these stages. And I was just like... That's when I really realized that, like, He has no control over this, like, was that weekend. Remember, we did so much, Molly. Like, you were, like, force it down. Like, he just wanted other people to do it, too. And I did so much that I was, like, sick for, like, three days after we got home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, sick. Like, it was really bad. But that's, what the first time I realized that he has zero control over this, and he's not thinking about anyone but himself. Because I, I remember saying, like, I don't feel good. I don't want to do this. And, but it was that environment. And he was like, wanted other people to participate, I think, to make it. I don't know why, but it was, that's like my view of it. And that's the first time that I realized kind of what was going on. Like I'd seen it like that. And after learning a little bit about addiction prior to going to that. So then, from then you went back to treatment, right? right? And... Have Did long. you have to go through detox at all? Have you?
3: No. I've no. never went through a detox. Only in jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you've detoxed on your own. No, you've never been in a, no, a yeah, medical no, facility. Been, no. I've always gotten to like
1: detox on your own. Do you just feel like shit for um,
3: like
1: days? I'm just like, like, how do you make it through?
3: I'm I've been really kinda just lucky that I've never like I've I've never fully like gone like jumped like dived headfirst into the whole lifestyle of getting high every every single day for months. Somehow I've always been like do it for like a week and then I'll stop, like I'll just uh uh feel like shit for a couple of days. And then it, it's always like, I've always just dabbled. Um, I, but I've like heavily dabbled. And these are things that even dabbling, uh, can be super dangerous. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've just, and that's only because I've just try, I'm trying to like survive this relationship. If it was just me, I, uh, this whole story would be completely different. I honestly don't think I'd be alive, but, uh, So I've just been lucky that I've, I've wanted this relationship to work like just enough that I haven't completely like gone headfirst into it. Um, I've always kind of like tried to have both. Mm -hmm. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: So that's, yeah, that's the only reason I've never actually had to like, had a real like detox um luckily
0: so you were in treatment <clears throat> that that first 6 months so from like that summer we went to that music festival and then you were still like
3: and then we yeah user. we went back to the tr- treatment center and i think they like demoted they made me do a different group that was a little more intense uh and then um but actually no, we came back and even though I admitted that I did a bunch of different drugs, uh they let me stay in that group. But then I think that kind of set off like the whole um, you know, physical allergy they talk about even though I don't like using uh, a language but What is a physical What does that mean? So like yeah. when you uh when you when you pick up for the first time, uh you kind of unlock a chain of events like where you can't really stop even if like you can stop for a week you've like opened uh, pandora's box Mm -hmm. reopened um interesting which i kind of did and i think i failed another drug test for for opiates and then then they put me in a more intense uh program uh, which i liked it was it it was good too and i again i felt like inspired and and felt like i could uh get through it um and then you know I graduated that, and I think I immediately failed another job. I don't know. It that was like the beginning of just
1: kind of like a roller coaster. Yeah, one
3: hundred percent. Like just merry go round of two two months doing well, you know, holding on for six months, you know, uh, but then like slipping back. Maybe no one finds out about that one and and you get through it but then eventually it just gets uglier and uglier and you can't quite hide it things start to add up
0: can you kind of describe like your the way your mentality around using and recovery has evolved from that first time going to treatment through where we are now like how have you how has your thinking about addiction your addiction specifically and how you recover changed over time mm-hmm.
3: um it's so i've i don't know i've been doing this for like what four four years ago over four years that we went to uh, did the treatment for the first time i think um there's just a bunch of factors that come into play eventually you acquire enough like time sober that you start to realize that you can do it, so it's like breaking that um, that mental barrier of just at least knowing there's a possibility, mm-hmm. uh, and then you also kind of just age and grow up and mm-hmm. stop looking for s- so many easy, uh, you know, shortcuts and start to value other things, and uh, so that's a factor, and then. Um, you stop looking at it as like, cause I would like something would happen. And I would dive headfirst into recovery again. And, and it's, you think of it as like this, um, it just feels way too easy and like things are really good and you just don't mentally prepare yourself for the hard part. But that that hard part happens so many times and you, and you fuck up so many times that, you know, th- these past times that, that I've gone through it, I've just, you look at, at it as more of like a marathon instead of a sprint and you start to value the, the work you've put in. Um, uh, stop like thinking that you have to do some kind of um, 180 like drastic change like maybe you just need to adjust the course a little bit you know uh, mm-hmm. I don't know it's been such a like long weird like journey that it's hard to put into words completely how how it's changed because I don't know, there's just a bunch of factors that go into it.
1: Mm-hmm. When you say the um, the hard part What are the hard parts for you? Like, what what does that mean?
3: Just getting a craving, like having to get honest about not uh, having to get honest about things not being perfect. Uh,
1: Like, before, did you like find yourself just ignoring it?
3: Yeah, you not like
1: not admitting to yourself Mm -hmm. or admitting to other people, and now you're more likely to be honest or?
3: I don't, and that's Depends. the thing. I don't even know if I'm more likely to be honest. I just don't <laughs> have. I just have. I've just acquired a, more coping mechanisms, okay. uh, mm-hmm. health, you know, healthy coping mechanisms, and I've become a little bit more resilient uh, and valued the serenity and calmness that um, that we've been accustomed to for you mm-hmm. know at least for a while now. Um, What was that question again?
0: (laughs) What are the hard parts? parts So, yeah, the hard
3: parts would be like just dealing with a craving and and kind of pushing it aside and and, uh, maybe uh, life not because once you get sober after like a really tumultuous time life like skyrockets and it's Mm. like it's like going back to the gym after not being going for a year, like you get a lot stronger really quickly, and it's really fun. but then once you hit like kind of a plateau mm. uh, and these and all these like amazing gains stop happening um, it's really easy to give up because it's like not as fun anymore mm-hmm. and so it's yeah. seeing
0: like the rewards this is frequently yeah. exactly yeah that's an interesting way to put it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. so can you feel a relapse coming
3: um no honestly it like I used to think I could but uh, it's just like so like tricky and insidious that yeah it's hard hu- I don't. I don't know. I don't think I can. I used to. I really used to think I can. Could, but
1: after the fact, like after a relapse, can you then look back and be like, "Oh, this is where the train started going off the tracks in and out, and then you see
3: definitely objectively, you can look back and see, and and see like where things were obviously like changing, but when you're in it, it. not really. It's really hard to, to see it while you're in it. Um,
1: so what would you say are things that like Alex has done to like help support you during these times or what are like, if for loved ones who are like, Oh, how will I know if my loved one is going to relapse? Like if they don't even know it, like, Mm -hmm. i could see how that could create a lot of anxiety i don't know do you have any advice for those of us trying to support
3: people? yeah um honestly it's like just do less like don't like hang on to every um every little thing that goes wrong or every good thing that goes right uh because it just, I don't. I just don't think other people are much of a factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as you're not like actively creating problems, like which I don't think you guys do at all. You guys are great people. Uh, um, I think just like stepping back a little bit and and letting letting things happen and just being okay with with the results, uh, because you just can't, you can't control what happens with the other person. You can't even like, yeah, I think the most support, I think the most helpful thing is just like, is her becoming less like codependent and like Mm
4: -hmm.
3: less, being less affected by my like changing moods and, um, her just working on herself and uh, I think what what happens is it kind of just makes me want to work on myself to keep up uh, mm. instead of like trying to like run away because she's you know micromanaging or like keeping tabs on. Mm. You know, uh, you didn't go to that meeting uh, last week, or you didn't want to like talk to me about that meeting t- tonight, <laughs> uh, like.
0: Mhm. Wish I was like that at one point. Yeah, yeah.
3: but but yeah. it's like, I mean, of course you are. Like. It's from a good. How can place. you not be? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, from the family side, you learn, you know, they. They teach you the steps and the, the recipe for success, and it looks like this, right? So it's, they go to 90 meetings in 90 days. They do this, you know, um, they have a sponsor. They work do the, the steps. steps. Like, it's this formula, right? Yeah. And so at the beginning, when you don't know anything else, you kind of hang on to those things. That, like, right, okay, yeah. so if he's doing those things, then he's going to live, Right. And so when he wouldn't, I'd be like, I'd instantly be like, well, you're going to die. So good luck, I guess. I mean, it was scary, you know. So I think realizing that it took a lot of time. I was like that at the beginning where I thought, you know, you had to do all these. I mean, you eventually did do them, but in your own time. And I think that that's another thing is that the addict and their addiction is like, they have to fail sometimes to learn the lessons. Like you can't protect them from relapsing and you can't protect them from overdosing and you can't protect them from going to jail on New Year's Eve. So, I mean, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> you have to, I mean, I think, yeah. When I realized that, it helped me a lot too. Like I was happier as a person because mm-hmm. I wasn't like looking, my moods weren't reguli- re- regulated by what he was and what was not doing. So it's interesting that you said that that's, what helped you the most, too, because it helped me the most.
2: Well, I have a question for you, Alex. Since um, he said that he doesn't know when a relapse is coming, how does that make you feel for your future?
0: So again, it's like separating. It's that like mental separation of he's his own person hmm. and I'm my own person. And if he decides he wants to fuck up our family and make those decisions, then that leaves me with a set of decisions, right? So it's – I can't control that. There's nothing I can do to prevent it. I can't – there's literally nothing. We've – I mean, I, believe me, thought about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Tried everything. Um, So for me, it's that mental, like – just I guess like blanket that it's like I can I have choices and there was a point when I thought I didn't like I'm in this marriage and this is all happening to me and it's like it's not I'm choosing to be here so for me it's like okay well that while that would suck if he went off the deep end and things got really bad you know I can leave it doesn't have to be my life and so that's what kind of gives me that assurance is that I'm my own person and I can choose to live my life differently and he can choose to live his life the way he wants to. And if those things don't aren't compatible, then it, while it's sad, they're not compatible. And we can go our own ways and do our own things. So it's not a perfect, I don't know. It's not like, there's nothing that like, I mean, and even that is hard because there are still things that are like, you know, I'm pregnant now. And there's a kid on the way and it's like, well, that changes my options too. And... Mm-hmm. And so it's, I don't know, I think it changes, like it's just this whole thing, like he said, it's a journey and it evolves for both of us, I think. And for me now, knowing that I'm going to be a mom and there's going to be someone else that I don't want exposed to these things, like that could be potentially harmful. You know, I used to get mad when he would take our dog to buy drugs and it's like, well, (laughs) he'd drive in the car with our dog. And I... uh, it's like the same, you know, you have to think about a child, like a, an actual life. I
3: happened one time.
0: Okay. okay, but I got mad. <laughs> <laughs> Steve so said he would bring even our more kids mad. to a Yeah, field. I mean... The, what Do you think you would?
3: For sure. I mean, if I was in that... I yeah, field, I like I'm in, honest, in that state
1: of
0: mind. And that's what he that said would, today would, that, that's, like, so illuminating, I think. It's, like, a really good point to pick up is that it's 100% selfish. And he said, like, he wanted this relationship, but sometimes not enough to not use like it, our relationship has never been something where he's like well i'm not going to use if it's in his mind it's the catalyst that's like i want to get better but it's never the thing that says i'm not going to do it right so it's the thing that says i want to stop now and, and and be well
2: so what about to the people who say um charlie you got clean for our or he didn't get clean for me or the kid is going to keep him clean like thoughts i think that's on
0: th- bullshit
3: yeah, I'm under no, I, yeah. uh, like, illusion that uh, a baby is going to keep me sober. Um, I might have thought that, like, four years ago. Right. Uh, but I've just, like, I've had so many, like, letdowns now. Um, I've seen the ha- what what doesn't work so many times that I'm just, uh, I feel at least savvy enough to like say that for sure nothing else no matter how bad I want it is going to keep me from getting high um, yeah it's it's an internal uh, thing and it's hard to put into words I think but there I are can some... concretely say that yeah a ch- a child I mean it might help like it, it be might be a, a, a factor yeah. it's a factor in, you know staying proactive uh right but um yeah it's i'm not going to be like um if i have made the decision i'm not going to be like well think of your children and then decide not to like that's not it just doesn't work that way.
1: And I think that's something that people don't always realize because you hear so often people say, like, but they have kids or a wife or, mm-hmm. like, they job. have this great job and all these things. Like, aren't, how can they not think about those things? And it's hard for non-addicts, I think, to yeah wrap their minds around that. But.
0: I mean, it's like the addiction, the addictive brain, like it has its own agenda, which Mm -hmm. is for you to use. And so none of those things matter. I think it's hard. It's that I like I know, like you have lost a job and jobs and things because of your addiction. And I know that I know that afterwards that hurts. Right. And it feels like this failure, and then it's motivating to get into recovery because you're like, I don't want to live that life anymore, right? The opposite of what happened is sort of wanting the opposite of what's happening is sort of the motivation to do the work to get clean. And I think that, that a big, well, from my perspective, a big piece of of Charlie's growth has been that desire, that motivation to want to, be, to do better and to want to keep these things that he cherishes. But what I was saying is none of those things have ever stopped him once it's in his mind. And once it's, he's on that track, none of those things have stopped him from using, but I do see those things being the motivation to trying to not do that again. And I think, I think it's important to distinguish the two mindsets. We talk about it a lot, like there's the addictive brain, right? That kind of takes over. And then there's the person who's making in control of their own decisions and, um, I don't know. So I, I kind of look at it like that, too, and it sort of helps a little bit, but I don't know. Interesting.
2: So a, qu- a question. Um, when you know opiates right now are just, I guess, always are so dangerous, like, out on the street, like, does dying not, is that not enough to stop you from doing the drugs?
3: Uh, it is now. I mean, it's, uh, it didn't used to be, um, I you. I don't know. I just had, there's just been so many people that I know now that have died, that,
2: uh, Off of like one use, like going back out. Yeah. That it's, Mm
3: -hmm. and myself, you know, I've overdosed uh, a few times now. And so, um, that, I mean, that definitely stops me from, from going back to it, uh, yeah.
2: I'll say an interesting thing that Steve told me at the beginning of his recovery is that when uh, when he would hear that a drug dealer had um, a batch, or I don't even know what you call it, a batch <laughs> um, of drugs, and they found out that somebody overdosed on it, like, even if that person died, like, that dealer would have a line at his door because they wouldn't, they wouldn't overdose, that addict yeah. wouldn't overdose, they would, and that he knew that it was good stuff. Interesting. Which I always thought, like, what? thinks that like that is just not
0: yeah it's like you're chasing that high and it's like oh well, maybe I'll feel that first the way I did that first time again yeah is that real um I hear that, is that... I don't
3: know I mean I don't like know I'm not like plugged into to a world of other like addicts like that are actively using um I kind of like have uh like Sources that I know of, but I don't know anyone else that uses those. So I don't, I don't, I, don't know, I don't have experience in that. I don't think I would do that, but I'm kind of a pussy. So, <laughs>
0: but, but okay, I think it's again about like your growth and how this is all, how you've changed and maybe even like you said matured over time. Because there was a time at the beginning where you're like, I don't think about dying because I don't care if I die, and so I think there's some of it. That's, yeah, I guess like,
3: when you're really deep in into it. Um, and you just feel so, like, so worthless, uh, and you feel like a burden to everyone else. That's that that doesn't that doesn't uh, really scare you yeah. because it's almost like a relief. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, once you get to like the other side of that, and you've lived an, enough time sober, and you've like built a life that you enjoy. Um, that doesn't seem like Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to die anymore. Right. Uh, right. And I like, yeah, I definitely don't want to die. So, and then like, I also, you know, I used to think that I was like smarter than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks like they're different. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: You used to tell me like, but I use, I like, cause you would I be these drugs Mm -hmm. and i would say like well people die he's like well i i do it smart i do it the smart way it's like well oh well well, what the fuck is the smart way i thought i was yeah i thought i was super smart about it
3: and um you know it don't it only took like 35 to like 50 people that i know dying and uh like overdosing for from like one bump uh to finally convince me like it it's literally uh just um it's uh what, what's the phrase I'm looking for a matter of time mm-hmm. uh oh. like it's just like you for sure are gonna die
1: mm-hmm.
3: at least with the stuff that's you know that's out there right now mm-hmm.
1: yeah so um. You mentioned growth and knowing like what we know about your story. Um, I think like when there was a period of time when you would relapse and you wouldn't like tell Alex about it or it would eventually come out like she would find. Um, so like lying around that. But now, like more recently, it's been you've been in place where like you relapse and then immediately like come clean about it. And I'm just curious, selfishly, I'm curious, because yeah. that that's always been the struggle that I've had with Jake, where it was like, I'm less mad about the relapse than I am about you lying about it for mm-hmm. three weeks. Like, if you would just relapse mm. and then tell me immediately, like, that would save so much headache I mean, and pain. I uh, mean,
3: to be fair, like, I, I don't, like, relapse and, like, immediately run and tell her i like it's a little easier to pry it out of me now like i don't try as hard to uh to keep it um like if if she accuses me of like being high like i might say might deny it for like two or three uh accusals you know but Mm -hmm.
0: uh it takes like um, a minute yeah it's
3: it's these days i'm just like i'm you know i'm I'm not gonna.
1: What changed? Like you just got tired of it now, or it's like, oh, she knows and.
3: I think um, you know the fear used to be like, well, if she finds out, she's for sure going to leave me. So now it's like, okay, I can, I know I can be honest, and we can figure out, we can figure this out. If if she leaves, then. I mean she probably should anyway so it's it's not like this it's not as like scary it's just not as scary as it used to be i guess
0: uh we've been through it a bunch yeah and i've been pretty reasonable a lot of the time for sure but also i've been able to be that way because of the choices you make after a relapse too it's not just that i'm like relapse and everything will be fine Mm. but it's you know he relapses and then gets and and decides like you have that opportunity to decide like do you want to keep using or do you want to get well again and you decide to do the work to be to to be healthy again Mm -hmm. and so i mean if you were to decide the other thing and keep using we've had that happen before too Mm -hmm. and i did leave and you know it took three days for you to end up in jail. Right. But <laughs> it's, so I think it's been, it's been, again, it's like an, an evolution. Like mm-hmm. he grow, he changes and matures. I change and mature that, that we learn from, we each learn from our side of the experience and we get smarter about it, you know? And so that's been helpful too. It's, right. it's that's what's helped me be able to be like that is to, for him to say, you know, like last winter, you know, you relapse uh, on Christmas, I've talked about that where you had overdosed in the bathroom mm-hmm. basically. Um, which was really hard, but it, I mean, it was, I didn't realize you'd been using for a couple of weeks at that point, like on yeah. and off. And so to me, it's like Christmas day and we have 30 people coming over to our house and the paramedics are here and it's mm-hmm. just like, Jesus. Um, but all of that hit me on that day. But immediately you said, well, I think I need more. I need to go to a halfway house. And you called and you got that all set up. Now, Within like an hour, right? And so it was easier for me to like just relax and knowing that, again, he's making this choice. Like now it's going to be hard because we're not going to live together. And I was upset about that. And I was mad about just the situation. But when I know that he wants to work to get well, it takes pressure off of me to like of me being the one that is trying to make him want to be well. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So when he takes ownership of himself, it makes it easier for me to be like, okay, I don't have to worry about that, even though I'm probably going to worry on my own about it. But I don't know. So that helps. I mean, I think that's why this has – we've been able to maintain our relationship through the pattern of relapse. It's because it's all. it's been like – that's been the consistent thing. So I don't yeah. know if that's helpful or not.
2: But I just think over the years it's been interesting to see – you, Alex, because it's whenever you relapse, Charlie, it's like, okay, and I'm going to make this very simple. You're like, okay, well now he's going to go to one meeting a week Mm -hmm. and then he relapsed again. Okay, we talked and he's going to do two. Mm -hmm. So it was always a very minimal kind of thing that he he would always say that he would do one more thing that would make you feel more comfortable, that it was more in the direction of recovery. because there were a couple times I'm like, man, what else can he do? Like, cause yeah, me too. Like...
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and so it was always, but you mean you always were very positive on okay, if he adds this sixth meeting, like you know that it's maybe gonna get him on the right path. That, that was always just so interesting to me yeah. that you were never just like, f it. Like, cause...
0: I mean, I was. Yeah, sometimes. me
3: too. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the
0: things that I learned, and I don't know who said this, but it was, you know, you had gone, you had tried a halfway house before. And that didn't work out. You relapsed and Mm -hmm. got, like, fucking went missing again. Like And it was just this whole thing in jail and all that. But you, I don't know who said this, but um, even if you relapse or even if you have a period, if you've been in recovery for any amount of time, you've been to a meeting, you've talked to someone else in recovery, like, you've had a few months clean, like, that just using doesn't erase all that. And so when you go back and you you add a new meeting or you go back in a different mindset of like now learning that okay whatever it is you've learned in that time I don't think that you are the same person doing the same things over and over with no new like nothing fruitful to gain from it.
1: Yeah, like you're not starting at square right. one again yeah. like you've right
0: built up something and it's a back. but yeah and so i think when each time you learn something new exactly and so when it's like yeah okay he's gonna go to three meetings and he's done that 70 times it's like well he's in a different spot now he knows that you know this recipe didn't work and so now he's gonna do it again and maybe he'll not watch pacers games on his phone at the meeting and he'll hear something that sinks in and you know or he'll that this time living at the halfway house was totally different than the first time because of the state of mind he was in, mm. you know? Life had changed, and the variables around everything had changed, and so he was more ready at that point. But I don't think that I would, because it didn't work last time, I would ever say, well, don't go to treatment again because this time, what are you going to get out of it this time that you didn't last time? Because I think that anything you get out of it, anytime can be valuable, can be the thing that sinks in and sticks. So I would, yeah, that's just kind of how I thought about it.
2: Yeah. 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 Now, what about you, Charlie? Like, so she went to meetings. She would go out and hang out with us. Like, was that ever – because uh, I know Steve <laughs> said it was annoying when I'd come back and be like, oh, did you get a sponsor? Well, I know Saturday <laughs> is an open meeting and I can come help <laughs> you get a sponsor. And he like that, and he did. He went that week and got a sponsor because he knew my ass was going to go to the meeting and raise my hand and say, my husband needs a sponsor. So, like, is there, like, <laughs> <laughs> so, is there anything, like, would you get annoyed when she'd come back and, and say, oh, I heard in group today that you should get a sponsor? Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I just have this weird, like, hang-up where I hate talking about the recovery part with her. And I don't know what it is. Um, It's, like, a physical, like, recoil. Like, I cannot talk about this shit with her, and I don't know why. Um, So it doesn't help me. I, I wouldn't say it wouldn't help anyone. I think spouses getting involved are, like uh, you know, parents getting involved in, in the recovery process can be helpful. Um, you know, if they're in, involved in like a positive way, uh, for me, I don't know, not so much. It, it was helpful. Um, her getting involved with like you guys, uh, I think that's been like immeasurably helpful. Just having, someone uh, that she can bounce all this stuff off of uh, that's not me, like, because I don't know, you need an outlet that's not the person you're, like, having issues with. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so, I think it
0: was helpful for me to, like, just to know, like, even though he wasn't receptive to like me going home and being like, so, so so-and-so did this, like, you should try that me knowing what other people were doing would help me call bullshit, right? So it helped yeah. me stay in touch with, like, okay, well, this is what that kind of looks like, and this person has a lot of clean time, and they're not doing the things that he's, you know, I, it would help me, like, have a sense of reality that I didn't have in those, like, eight months leading up to getting into treatment the first time when I just thought my world was, like, crumbling around me. It's 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 prevented that. Like, so I can kind of, I don't know. So I would encourage you as a family member or spouse to, to, to still do all those things, even if your spouse doesn't want to talk to you about it or <laughs> hear it because it's, it's helpful to understand like what's actually happening in with people in recovery
1: yeah.
0: and it can help you say, okay, this person's telling me they're in recovery, but they're not, yeah. they're not acting like it. And Correct. so it kind of helps. I, mean, that. I think it just helps in general to
1: like the education piece of having a better understanding of what addiction even is and what that looks like. And then, um, just hearing other people's stories mm-hmm. it, just to be able to go in that room and be like oh, okay I'm not the only one who's been going through mm-hmm. hard things so whether or not you're like taking that information and going home and being like you need to do x y and z I think you can just you take a lot out of it that is just helpful for our own personal growth mm-hmm. and like what Charlie was saying watching you grow and work on your own self like was motivation for him and got yeah. my be enough so
0: yeah so I think you know our audience is this is always a target towards families and a last like question I hope that you can answer Um, when has your family not just me but people you love your friends your family like throughout your addiction when have what have they done to be most supportive to you like what have been the things that you're like oh that really helps me
3: Um, so I guess the most, uh, the most effective like support that I get from my family and friends is just like the, the love and acceptance. And I think I'm really lucky in that regard because, you know, your family, my family, my friends, um, have all just been like really positive all the time and, and just warm, and, uh, I never have to worry about, like, snarkiness, or, like, what did Charlie do this time? Uh, it's, it's always, like, um, just, I don't know, just friendly and warm, and, you know, Mm -hmm. your family has been, uh, super supportive the first time you know i went to jail and like my family found out and uh you know your family found out the like extent of everything uh you guys put on like this like intervention kind of thing it wasn't really an inter- i don't i don't know what it was but uh, well
0: at the time just for context you had been it was one of the times you relapsed like we had a contract in place which we've talked about a little bit but which don't work which basically didn't work for us yeah it worked it actually worked because what it did was it forced a decision yeah you um decided that you were going to use he was going to commit to a life of using Mm. drugs that's literally what he said when he left and (laughs) i was like okay well i'm not going to be with you because i don't want that life and so we left and it was like we, we were separating at that point. It was it was a solid decision of, like, go live your drug life, and I'm going to live my life not, not without that. And you were, like, I thought you were, like, staying in the car. It lasted, like, three days, and you had committed. You said, like, I'm going to do drugs. And I was like, well, that's never happened before. So it freaked me out. So I called your family, and I told your uncle what was going on. And you were also, like, really hard to reason with. Like, you were just, like... I don't know. You weren't yourself at all, and so I remember calling Elise and saying, like, "Hey, this is going on. You came over. We met in a grocery store parking lot mm-hmm. to get your keys because I like didn't I didn't know like what you were capable of doing at that point because I just didn't recognize you as a person. So I was I got the keys to our apartment so you couldn't take any of our stuff and sell it because I honestly had no idea how you were going to get money. And then um, you were like staying with some dude that was doing drugs that you met on the internet
4: Mm
0: -hmm. and you were staying there like staying up all night one of my friends called like this is just all the things happening in these three days so i got your family involved and every time i talked to you you were like this is what i'm doing i'm doing drugs now until you got arrested Mm -hmm. so before you had gotten arrested we had decided we were going to Stage some sort of intervention because this was not a this reasonable. This was you thing. and his family and, and your his, family had yeah. decided. Yeah, because this. it was like clearly not reasonable. He was on a bad path, and we were like, we have to step in, basically immediately. So that was all forming, in those few days when you were committed to using, and then you went to jail, and your tune changed, mm-hmm. and and so then we had we still met, like we were planning on doing it just. It was no longer, like, an intervention. So then what happened when you guys
1: met?
3: Like, people um, just talked to you? Yeah, basically, I, like, sat in the middle of a circle of uh, my family, and everyone just, like, told me uh, what they, you know, what they loved about me. And, uh, um, yeah, it was just, like, kind of a... it was just kind of like a a love circle I don't know and it felt I felt really good afterwards and you know it helps and uh, but yeah that's kind of just been the theme of the support that I get is is uh, just like comfort um, because you feel so like worthless Mm -hmm. during all that that and you have like these kind of expectations about like what people are thinking about you and uh, what they expect you to do, and it just helps a lot. Uh, it helps your self-esteem and like your confidence, and uh, mm-hmm. helps you, th- you know, like think you're actually capable of uh, being a person that people like and respect. So. Uh, yeah I think that's the been the the best part, uh, you know the most effective thing I've received from family and friends.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I wanted to touch on you said contracts don't work. <laughs> um, and I think it is that's a good reminder for us as family members that the contracts, like if we put a contract or a boundary of anything, any type in place, Like we should be doing that for ourselves, not Mm -hmm. with the intention of thinking like, oh, if I do this, if I put this in the contract or put this boundary, that's going to make my loved one get clean or behave in a certain way. Like
4: Mm -hmm.
1: the contracts or boundaries are more for like, what am I willing to live with or be around? So if it's like in a contract saying like, I need us to go to... therapy to mm-hmm. be together, like that's something that you're putting in place for yourself. Right. And hopefully that would have positive a positive impact on the other person as well. But like if your whole intention is I'm doing this to make them
0: mm-hmm.
1: get clean, like that's not going to work.
0: Which is why he said it didn't work and I said it did work. <laughs> yeah. Because I, it worked for me. It got me out of it it let me know that we've crossed the line. I said I wouldn't be willing to cross yeah and it like really makes you think
1: about okay what what is that line like Mm -hmm. what can I live with and like you have to actually if you write it down or say it out loud it makes it then harder to
0: backtrack yeah Yeah. on that which you want to do because before we had that you know he was in a cycle of relapsing pretty frequently at that point and like you had said, like I was being optimistic about one tiny little tweak. He was doing that tiny little tweak because it was the bare minimum that he could do and say I'm doing something different in that mm-hmm. time, right? Like So his intentions weren't in the greatest spot with that. So what the, the contract did for me was it was like a clear explanation of this is what's okay with me and these are the things that aren't so we can stop playing your game because we were playing his game. Yeah. For a long time. You were controlling the narrative of everything happening. Sure, I had choices, but I really didn't have a set, like, I, things were, again, were happening to me versus, like, me Mm. understanding and, like, being able to say, it's because they're so good at saying, like, the manipulative things, like the things you want to hear and like, yeah, I'm going to go to one more meeting. And yeah, maybe he was actually at that meeting or maybe he was in the parking lot of that meeting. Right. Right. Which has happened before. Right. So I think the contract in a time when. When when things are just kind of confusing, it's it helps ground you because mm-hmm. it can feel very chaotic. And so to say. You have to go to three meetings. Maybe it is you have to go to a number of meetings for whatever reason. Or you can't fail a drug test in our home or whatever the things are. It helps keep you grounded to reality. Like, they can't talk you out of that, yeah. you know? So that's what it did for me. And it and it escalated things. And it made me, like, gave me the opportunity without him around because he left because that was in the contract. I had those days to to really think about, like, do I want to do this? Like, I could separate myself from that chaos and decide what was best for me and then it forced him to do whatever he was going to do and in that time you know he could have decided to go into treatment or something but he didn't and so i think that it was super helpful i think it was a turning point definitely for me i don't know if it i mean it was for you too because it was your first time going to jail and like having a serious consequence Mm -hmm. so so i think contracts can be valuable for sure but do you think it's interesting that we both had opposite answers on mm-hmm. awesome. their effectiveness? Yeah,
3: I guess, you know, the, the way you describe it, you know, my, uh, I guess I just didn't understand the intent.
2: All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up yeah, what we've what we talked have. about. Charlie, any final words for us?
1: Or do you have any questions for us? Yeah, do you have any questions cool. for us? We can always <laughs> have you back on the another
3: <laughs> time so. No, not currently. Okay. I'm not prepared for, for that.
4: Uh, well, well, thanks uh,
1: for being here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank thanks, you. thanks for sharing. Well, we love
2: and support you, and we do wish nothing Thank but you. the best for you. Yeah, and thanks. you sure. as well. And new baby. Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, keep coming back. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at
1: hello at boyproblemspod.com.